0: Do I love my neighbor? Do love them? Can I feel his pain and his really need Welcome I to Freedom my to neighbor? Choose with Rich and Susan Collenberg. Freedom to Choose is brought to you by Just as I Am Ministries, a nonprofit that gives hope and help to those lost in addiction. Rich and Susan are a husband and wife team who found grace and freedom from 20 years of addiction to drugs and alcohol. They broke free from their bondage 15 years ago and are here to share their experience of God's power in recovery. God can change lives. Now, here's Rich and Susan with Freedom to Choose.
1: Hello, everyone. My name is Rich Kallenberg.
2: And my name is Susan Kallenberg.
1: Susan, what are we going to talk about today?
2: Today, we're going to continue to talk about erasing errors in our lives.
1: That's right. Today, we'll answer some of the questions that come up as to how we can begin to erase errors in our lives by giving ourselves to God. Susan, would you begin today's program with a word of prayer?
2: Yes. Our loving Father in heaven, we thank you that uh, you desire to come in and to not just forgive us for the things that we've done, but to actually erase the, the things in our lives that we can be free from the bondage that holds us. And we're so grateful that you do that work in our hearts and in our brains. And we just pray that you will send your spirit to be with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Do you sometimes feel that you're damaged goods and that you'll never be good enough to come to God?
1: Well, yeah. If you're in the church, maybe you've just been playing church, but deep down inside you feel that God doesn't accept you. I know with me, sometimes I feel that's the way it is. Um, I've heard many recovering addicts that go to church now say, I don't feel like I belong out there doing drugs, but I definitely don't feel like I belong in the church either. I feel like I'm in limbo. I feel like I don't belong anywhere. I feel like I'm just faking it. Right. And, uh, and, or are you? is your church just mechanical? Are you just uh, playing church?
2: Going to go because that's, that's, that's what you do. That's thing
1: to do let me tell you a couple of stories now about a month month a month and a half ago I had a great opportunity to work with Beth DiCaprio and some other wonderful people up in El Dorado Hills a place called the Grace Foundation now what the Grace Foundation does is they take horses that have been abused or neglected they take them in nurse them back to health once the animals are healthy they adopt them out to new families that meet the required criteria to be able to own them. They also have a place up there called Pony Town, where autistic children can come and ride the horses around. You see, once their horse rescue and ad- an adoption foundation got off the ground, Beth decided to establish programs for children, individuals, and at-risk youth by putting some of these rescued animals to work as therapy horses. Back in the middle of May, Beth had the idea to put a playground in, in memory of Hunter Wilson. He was an autistic child that was tragically killed not long ago. So our company, Roblin Contracting, went up and poured some concrete for them and got to see this wonderful work of God in action. I'm very thankful to work for that company that I do, as they're quite frequently donating their time and resources to places that benefit the greater Sacramento area. It's just a pleasure to work with people that care about people. But as I watched what went on at the Grace Foundation, something hit me. Here are these people taking in these horses and many other types of animals, by the way, which have been neglected so much that they are literally at death's door. They take them in, nurse them back to health, and then adopt them out. And I thought, what a fitting comparison. Here we are as human beings. We've we've either been neglected or neglected ourselves. And sometimes it takes us to be at death's door before we will allow ourselves to be nursed back to health by God. A lot of the neglect, a lot of the damage that is done to us is self-inflicted.
2: Right. We repeatedly make mistakes and hurt other people. Yet when we do that, we damage ourselves also. We increase the mental baggage that we're carrying around by the selfish behavior that we've engaged in in all of our lives. You know, the bad memories and the guilt. So how do you clean that up? How do you get nursed back to health? And do you need to be healthy enough to be adopted into the family of God? That's
1: a big question.
2: Right so do we need to be healthy to be adopted or are we automatically adopted when we come to him and we all know that it's the latter that's true once you come to god you are adopted into the family and then begins the process of being nursed back to health part of that process is what we're going to be talking about today we will continue our talk on erasing errors about getting rid of that mental baggage that keeps drawing us back and makes us feel like we're not worthy and we're not adoptable.
1: Yeah, that we're, you know, we're not just a child left out on our own. or like the horses left in a stall without food or water, neglected, withering away to nothing. Believe me, folks, this is not God's plan for your life. He wants to nurse you back to health, spiritual, mental health, physical health. He wants to do it all. Jesus went around healing and preaching. He wants the best for you. He wants you to recover the ability to think straight. He wants you to choose him. Believe it or not, he has many people and many angels there to help you.
2: Right. We don't want to get so bogged down in a life controlled by bad habits that we lose our desire to follow him. And many times that's what happens. We um, maybe do some things, whether they're physical, like, uh, you know, some type of a drug abuse or mental where we're where we struggle with depression or or anger or something that controls us. And we allow that to become the habit of our lives. And it, it binds us to a certain um, way of life. And, and we're literally in bondage and unable to get out of that.
1: Yeah, that's what bondage is. That That is the definition of bondage. When when uh, your emotions control you, you don't control your emotions. When your emotions run your life, you don't. You're not in control of your emotions. A lot of the behavioral addictions are emotions that are out of control: jealousy, anger, pride. And when it's okay to have emotions, but not to have your emotions have you. Um, when your emotions have you and they run your life. Um, that can be a miserable existence, not only for you, but for
2: everyone around you. Right, because we are God did create us with emotions, but he also created us to be rational beings as well.
1: That's right. The devil has a lot of tools in his toolbox. One of those tools, the one that is used the most, the one that is most wore out, is the tool of discouragement. And how he gets us discouraged, see, he knows what mental baggage we're carrying around he knows everything we've done and he knows what we're packing around and so what he does is he uses that against us with his tool of discouragement let me let me tell you another story to illustrate this uh, because what happens is we get so bogged down and frustrated by everything that we're doing wrong, we just throw our hands in the air and give
2: up. Well, you know, what's interesting is you were talking about how Satan uses the tool of discouragement. In the Bible, it talks about that. He is the accuser of the brethren. He's the one who stands and, and accuses us of the things that we've done.
1: That's right. Yeah. see, so let me tell you another story to explain what I'm talking about. One day, uh, we were replacing a section of asphalt with some concrete at our church uh, in the parking lot there. And my friend Daniel had a very large dump trailer. I can't remember how much it held, but it's a big one. It was it's the size of a a pretty good sized dump truck actually, and it was quite handy for anything that we needed to do around the church. Now I'd brought my little Kubota tractor in to pick up the asphalt and put it into the trailer, and as I was loading the trailer, I was wondering at what point would this trailer be overloaded? You know, I'm thinking, where how how full do I because what I'm loading in there. Is heavy stuff. It's damp asphalt. I mean, sorry it's damp AB and and asphalt, and uh, it's not light stuff. It's not tree branches, and so I was wondering at what point would this trailer be overloaded. So uh, I called Daniel, and I talked it over with him because he had gone out of town. And I wanted to make sure I wasn't going to get him in a pickle when he went to dump it. So he said there was a line on the inside of the trailer about a foot down from the top rim. If I was to fill the trailer to the line it would be able to dump just fine. So up to the line it went with broken asphalt and base rock and at the end of the day Daniel showed up hooked up to the trailer and took it out to dump it. A little while later I got a phone call from them from Daniel saying that the trailer was out at the dump site stuck in the mud and it wouldn't dump. Oh no what are they gonna do? So there was only one thing we could do We went out the next morning and began unloading the rubble by hand. You know, there's no way to get a shovel into a pile of broken asphalt. And I think it was
2: raining and it it was mucky. It was miserable,
1: yeah. And so unloading it wasn't an easy task. So with our bare hands, we unloaded about five tons of material. took about four hours of nonstop burrowing, wiggling, jerking, pulling, throwing chunks of asphalt out until we were able to get to the point where the dump trailer would finally dump. After we got the load dumped, it was quite simple to pull the trailer out of the mud. And after a few pats on the back and praises to the Lord, we were on our way back to the church to finish the job. But here's how it is. Our lives are loaded down. They're burdened with terrible things that we've done in the past, some not so good things that we continue to do. The more of that garbage that we put into our own personal dump trailers, the harder it is for us to dump them. The task just seems to become more and more insurmountable as the load just grows larger and larger. There will come a point in time, and it may already be here for some of us, where we will simply lose the desire to do anything about these things. In other words, just like in the story, the trailer refuses to dump.
2: Right. Don't lose your desire to become free from the weight you are carrying. The load is not too big for God. And yes, even though there may come a point in time where we might have to get into the trailer and pull some of those nasty chunks of rubble out by hand, the Lord will be right there, right by our side, helping us and strengthening us. No job is too big with God as our helper. He longs for the day that your load is dumped and your trailer is pulled free.
1: That's right. Have you ever had a room (laughs) that had stuff in it? And there comes a point, when all of a sudden you realize that you know what I can no longer keep this room neat now it's to the point now where I have to go in there and I have to completely take everything out and start over
2: I don't know he's giving me kind of a look that's for whatever reason I am I not I guess a pack rat I (laughs) don't throw anything away because you just never know when you may use it again and (laughs) And I know that there was one time that I was away that I was going away for ten days for work, and Rich was staying behind, and I got back on the tenth day and he came and he picked me up at the airport, and I was glad to see him and uh, went home and he said, "Go look in the garage." and I said, "Why?" and he said, "Just go look in the garage." and I went and I opened the door to the garage, and everything was gone. <laughs> everything was gone
1: i what had happened she hadn't even drove out the driveway maybe. 20, 30 minutes on her way to go on, to go on her trip. And, uh, I backed a dump trailer into the garage and I threw everything away and, uh, it took about three or four days, uh, for that one to simmer down. But sometimes you get to that point where you'd get tired of dealing with stuff and it's the same way up in the head. Well,
2: and with our hearts, you know, we're not we're not made to be burdened down by, um, you know, the the bad feelings, the 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 things that weigh us down emotionally. We're not we're not made to be sad and to be or to be angry or resentful or or, um, you know, to be hurt by things that have happened to us in the past. Those things that that causes us to react to life in a wrong way because of, of what's happened to us in the past. God wants us to be free.
1: So what does God do? He's got a replacement therapy, believe it or not. Now, not only are we gonna talk about mental baggage today but we're gonna talk about um, behaviors and some of these behaviors are um, pretty explicit. The Bible doesn't beat around the bush about what uh, what it means to crowd out bad behavior with good behavior and so god has a replacement therapy and w- we're going to talk about that believe it or not it's very explicit And what he doesn't just say stop doing this
2: right because when we're battling with addictions there's ways that god has put in place for us to overcome bad habits he wants us to overcome them and have victory over them
1: so how do you come let's overcome let's look how we can be set up for success as God shows us from a few Bible texts, how we can overcome some different types of behavioral addictions. You see, I, I, I like to look at it this way. A smoker just doesn't stare at the cupboard where his cigarettes are stashed, repeating the words, I am not going to smoke, I am not going to smoke. You know, it doesn't work that way, and that is not biblical. The Bible just doesn't say stop doing bad behavior. See, bad behavior must be replaced. That bad behavior is called sin. But we call it bad behavior because that's a little bit more explicit to our lingo when we're dealing with, with addicts.
2: Right. In Matthew 12, verses 43 through 45, this is what the Bible says. When an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there, and the final condition of that man is worse than the first.
1: That's right, because the the house is swept clean, but it wasn't replaced with anything. See, in the f- texts following, there's given three examples of bad behavior, of sin, and how those... Behaviors are replaced by good behavior. Remember, now this also, this doesn't happen overnight. We have to unlearn all the bad behavior. How long did it take you to become a good drug addict?
2: About 25 years. Yeah.
1: It's going to take a long time to unlearn that be- that bad behavior, that those-, those ruts are in the brain. So it doesn't happen overnight. It's a process, a process where we rely totally on, totally upon God. What was it we both agreed on when we got together? If we would search for God as hard as we searched for drugs. So in other words, we replaced drugs with God. We we, we, we replaced the drug culture way with God's way. And see God even gives us these examples in the Bible very explicitly. Let's look at example number one.
2: Ephesians 4.25 Wherefore, put away lying; speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another.
1: You see, put away lying, but speak truth in its place. Um, remember in our first step: how we learned that we will even lie to ourselves. Well, God's word says we're we'll stop lying, but we're, we're not going to stop there. We're going to replace the lying with the truth, and what that does is I mean sometimes you almost have to did did you ever lie Susan
2: I was a professional liar why did you lie just because
1: just to lie right because that's what you did
2: that's who I was
1: yeah that's and it's interesting you say that because what comes out of our mouth is who we are right so if you lie you are a liar and if that's what you do just to do it because that's who you are
2: and and because that's how my past was you know i had to lie in order to um survive and so everything was a lie because i felt that i had to project a certain image
1: okay so you were trying some protect a certain image
2: project a certain image
1: project a certain yes. image okay so let's look at uh, example number two
2: ephesians four twenty nine. Do not use harmful words, but only helpful words, the kind that build up and provide what is needed so that you will say, will do good to those who hear you.
1: See here, once again, the Bible is very clear that we're not only to stop speaking bad words, but that we are to replace those bad words with good, helpful, kind words that will be supportive to those who hear those words. It took me a long time to speak good about people because I was so accustomed to criticizing so accustomed to pointing the finger everything was everybody else's fault nothing was my fault and it, that was who I was and so it took me so long to be able to actually give someone a compliment to say they did a good job to say that uh, they are helpful to me and I really appreciate them and it's very hard, it's very hard to, to get that switched around.
2: Right, because it's, it's a change of character. It's not just something that you do on the outside. It has to actually come from within. So that's where God gets in, and he's able to erase those old right. things to, and replace them with the new man.
1: Yeah, and you know, sometimes now when I think about how, how I used to behave back in the drug addiction time, it's like looking down a long, narrow, dark tunnel. You know some of the, and, and, and that's a good thing, right? Because we want that to be farther and farther removed,
2: right? For me, I look back and it, it's almost as though that is somebody else that I that I don't even know who that is. That that person, um, it, it's it's interesting how God is able to come in and to um, creating us new minds and new thoughts and new yeah and that's when
1: you're thinking straight that's what truth is now there are times when I'm down or when I'm starting to get down that I tell myself the lie that I am the same old person I used to be I just don't do dope and see that is very very dangerous because I'm not the same person I used to be God has helped me by keeping my eyes on Jesus crowd out that sin
2: and it works for anything and everybody
1: it does and that's why it's in the Bible let's look at another example It, it just goes on and on and on
2: Ephesians 4 27 and 28 neither give place to the devil let him that stole steal no more but rather let him labor work with his hands the thing which was which is good that he may have to give to him that has need
1: see the Bible tells us once again not to steal but it doesn't stop there It says we're to replace that stealing with getting a job or doing something productive, and then by helping the poor whenever or however we can. Now, this includes stealing time also, but I wanted to backtrack just a second. When you got clean and sober, what is one of the first things you did? Did you go volunteer somewhere? I
2: started to volunteer because I recognized that all I had done my whole life was take, 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 and I wanted to finally give back
1: right and see so she gave of her time she no longer stole time from society she gave of her time because stealing time is also uh, it's also a crime you steal time from people all the time when we're in selfish behavior and that's what I did in my selfish behavior was I stole time. Um, if we're practicing an addiction chances are we're stealing time from someone somewhere Also now, that we're letting the influence of the Spirit of God into our lives, the Bible says we're not to let the devil back into our lives. It states it this way, neither give place to the devil.
2: And this is that's God's greatest replacement therapy. Believe it or not, God's replacement therapy will work with any behavioral or substance addiction.
1: That's right. Um, and remember that... All substance addictions are behavioral addictions but not all behavioral addictions are substance addictions. See so it just depends on what you're going to rather than God because see alcohol was not my problem it was my solution. Drugs were not my problem they were my solution. We need to find a new solution. That new solution is God. Sir we searched for drugs as hard as we we searched for God as hard as we searched for drugs we chose the the God culture way instead of the drug culture way, crowding out that behavior. So what we're trying to do, what we're trying to accomplish with the influence of the Spirit of God is to crowd out bad behavior with good behavior. Now next week, we're going to talk about being forever forgiven. And I know for my wife and I, learning that we were forgiven was a big thing. And we're going to talk about also forgiving others, which is crucial, because if we don't learn how to forgive others, uh, we don't really understand and be able, able to embrace God's forgiveness.
2: Right, that, and, and uh, for a lot of people that maybe that have been harmed or, or something has happened in the past that's beyond your control, being able to forgive someone is is a huge release, and it, but it is also a very hard struggle.
1: It is, but it is necessary. It is. it is necessary to learn. I, I watched my wife change once she was able to forgive someone that had really, really harmed her. And I watched the the emotions. I watched the total transformation happen. And it was took about two years for the total transformation to happen. But once she was able to forgive this person, it was unbelievable what happened. So that's what we'll talk about next week. And remember, folks, there are only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle, and the other is like everything is a miracle. And you have the freedom to choose.
0: Do I love my neighbor? Do love them? Can I feel his pain? to choose. There truly is hope for anyone whose life is in captivity and being overrun with the devastation of addiction. Rich and Susan are living testimonials and have created a seven-step biblically-based handbook and a recovery workbook to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Book for someone you know, or if you're a member of a church and you'd like to create a ministry in the area of addiction, Rich and Susan can help you get started. Please call Rich and Susan at 916- 645-1297 645-1297 or go to justasiamministries.com As a nonprofit, they are blessed by people like you. 916-645-1297 or www.justasiamministries.com Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.